Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. What a privilege, God. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you, God. Come take your rightful place this morning in this gathering, God. The center of it all, Jesus. Come take your rightful place. We honor you, God. We love you, Jesus. We love your presence. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. Wow. That's amazing. When you take your seats, it's so good to be with you. Thank you to the worship team. Won't you just give them a hand? All right, well, I'm really excited to uh, be sharing the word with you this morning. Um, it's good to see you all. If you are joining us online today for the service, we just want to welcome you. How are you all doing? I'm shaking. I'm good. <laughs> it's a different place. I was telling Jerry, I kind of feel naked without a guitar. It's weird. But um, nonetheless, I'm really excited. Um, I'm going to start off with, uh, I'm gonna, do you, how many of you guys were in the service last week? Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a video clip um, that we watched last week. So watch, watch this. It's funny, right? Now let, let's bring it a little bit closer to home. Let's watch this. Right? That's funny, we laugh. That is funny, we laugh at that sheep, but it changed a little bit when our faces are stuck in that sheep. Right? It's funny, I mean, come on, we have to be real. Some of us did that this week, maybe more than once. Right? Some of us might have done it this morning on the way to church. Hopefully, it doesn't happen this coming week or this next month. Right? But when I watched that video, um, I was... I was stumped, eh? I've heard sheep or something else, but I just had this question. I was like, why? Like, really? Are sheep really that? Is it that bad? <laughs> like, straight out, right back in. Unbelievable. And so I, I had a lot of thoughts running through my head. I, literally, I needed, I have an, analytic, an analytical brain, and so sometimes I need to try and figure it out. And I was just thinking, man, a whole bunch of things. Like, what was it? What made the sheep do that? And if you allow me some creative freedom, one of the, th the trails of thought was this. Well, you know, that sheep was in a dark hole. It came out and just bolted without its eyes, being able to adjust to the light properly and jumped and completely misjudged the, the trench and landed back in. I'm trying to cut the sheep some slack. All right, but, you know, about two weeks ago, we were in a, our usual Wednesday morning um, meeting 
leadership. And at the end of the meeting, we just spent some time praying. And during this time of prayer, I clearly kept seeing this passage of Scripture. Now, I, don't, I, haven't, I didn't hear it recently in a message being preached. I didn't read it in, a, in the Bible recently, but I kept seeing this passage in my mind's eye, and I kept hearing it. And it was this passage, and you, would, you all would know this passage. We've heard it, maybe preached before. We've read it in the Bible, um, and it's a well-known passage. And I'm going to read the King James Version, so if we could bring that up. It says this, where there is no vision, the people perish, right? So now I'm sitting there in this prayer time, and I see this. And I'm like, uh, God, are we good? Uh, is this an encouraging word, Lord? Is this a directional word? Like, what are you saying? Like, do I need to be evaluating something in my life? And so this, this scripture really grabbed my attention. So I went back home and started praying into it. And I can tell you this, I try to go a hundred different ways away from the scripture. But I kept feeling the Holy Spirit draw me back to the scripture. And I thought it, it ties so well with that sheep. Um, and this passage often gets misquoted from its original contextual meaning. Um, so if we had to go look at the other, some other translations around this very same passage of Scripture, we'll see that, um, that compared to what we normally hear this, this passage of Scripture being used as, um, talking about that we ought to have vision for our lives or vision for our churches or visions for our businesses, or we need to have big dreams for our lives, right? None of those things are, are bad. They're good. I think we ought to have vision in our life, and we ought to have vision in our business and our church. Um, but when we look at the other passages of, or the other translations of, scripture, of this passage, um, it's not what it's saying. It's actually talking about God, the prophetic revelation of God's Word. And I want us to read it together. So if we could bring up that first version, which is the NIV it says, where there is no revelation, uh, the people cast off restraint. The NLT, next one says, when people do not accept divine guidance, what happens? They run wild. The New King James Version says, said it, says it this way, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. So the term used in this passage is actually speaking about a lack of God's revelatory word. Now, that's a big word, and I took a long time to get that out. <laughs> and I, I went and looked up in the dictionary this week because I, I thought there has to be an easier word than that for me. Um, and it was interesting when I looked for another word, the word that came up, a relatable word, was this word. It was called prophetic. Isn't that interesting that before we said this text speaks about the prophetic revelation of God, and a relatable word to this is prophetic. If, and it's even more evident if we read the rest of this passage. So if we could bring up the next one, it says, but happy is he who keeps the law. One of the other translations says, and blessed is he who keeps the law. See, this passage is speaking about God's revelation and his law as it's given to us, God's word as it's given to us, his revealed word as it's given to us. And when the world, when the people of the world do not accept the word of God and when we as Christians are not seeking the word of God to know him and his precepts, what happens? We go our own way. And very often we end up living a wayward life. So this, pa this passage is, in, is speaking about that we aren't to disregard the word of God. 
we are to have a regard for the word of God. And then through that, we won't find ourselves living lives that are loose. And that, that word restraint, um, another meaning for that is that there's no self-control. And isn't that what one of the fruits of the Spirit is? Self-control. That we are to live our lives with regard for God's word and live with self-control. You see, all of us are just like that sheep. Without God's prophetic revelation, without the word of God in our lives, we are gonna find ourselves in troubled situations more than we would like to, right? Come on, let's be real about that. But here's the thing, Rod shared this last week, we have, we have the good shepherd who is there to come and pick us up out of whatever trench we may be in and put our feet on solid ground. And if we would adhere to his divine guidance, our lives will, will flourish. Now, as I was preparing this message, I thought about a title and all I could, kept thinking about was this title. So the title for today's message is God's Divine Direction. Now, by far, hands down, beyond a shadow of a doubt, one of the most commonly asked questions that we would hear within church, within Christian circles is this question. What does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? Or what is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? Now, I want us to focus in on the who and the do today. What does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? One key thought around this is decisions that we make today are gonna determine the stories we tell tomorrow, right? Decisions we make today determine the stories we tell tomorrow. Decisions we make today, this side of eternity is gonna determine where we spend our lives on the other side of, the t- of eternity. It's really important. Our decisions matter. They matter to God. God wants to be included in our decisions. You know, you may ask, what will I be in future? Or what will I do in the future? Well, for the most part, that is, that's gonna be a direct result on decisions that we make today, right? Now, let's be honest. We are not the best decision makers. Who would agree? Right, who has ever made a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion? All right, wow, there we go, I love it. We've got some honest people today. Um, Who has lost their temper when they shouldn't have lost their temper? Right, great, don't put your hands up. Who lost your temper coming to church this morning, even today? Woo! (laughs) All right. Here's the thing, a lot of times we make decisions that ends up with us having regret. Right? Maybe, maybe it's a large purchase you regret. And you're kind of like, I oh, wish I didn't do that. Now, I have a personal story about this. Oh. <laughs> it's not my wife. I chose, I chose good there. Um, woo, here we go. Um, no, so we were part of this uh, life group in South Africa. And um, every time we would get together midweek, the guys would chat about their weekend motocross, like get together. And I was like, and I would be lost in the conversation. I would have nothing to add. I would have no story to tell. Every single week it would happen. And I was like, eventually I got tired. I was like, no, I need to get a motocross bike. (laughs) Now let me just tell you, I had never ridden a motorcycle ever before in my life. And it's like, it's like, I should have started with like a moped or something (laughs) and like gradually gone up, but I went straight motocross. 
And like, it wasn't a small bike, it was a big bike, a big engine. And anyway, I just, I felt like, no, I need to get a motocross bike. I need to be in on this. I need to have stories to tell and be part of the conversation. Anyway, so when I was thinking about the story, I actually can't remember how I paid for it. I didn't even think, we definitely did not have the money. So I bought this thing, made this, temp, this permanent decision on a temporary emotion, and I tell you what, it was great. It was great. It was exhilarating, like sitting in that bike, had the gear, had the boots, had the suit. The bike was a really, it was a really wonderful bike. It was a good looking bike. There was nothing wrong with it. I loved it. Now, come on, guys, engines, toys, gadgets. It is a, it is a, it is a trench for us. Um, but anyway, I um, tell you this, this bike broke every single month. Every month, something broke in this bike and I had to pay you to fix it. I just paid all this money that I didn't have for this bike, and now this bike is breaking every single month. And I don't know if you guys use this term in America, but I was already in the dog box. Do you guys know that term? All right, because when the decision was made to purchase this bike, I didn't really include my wife in it. I just arrived home with this bike, right? Now, I'm not going to ask you to put up your hand if you have a relatable story. But <laughs> vote for Jerry, um, right? So this bike, I was really in trouble for purchasing this bike, and now this bike's costing us more money every month. And I had a couple of wipeouts on this bike that ended up having me a cracked rib. I blew out a thing in my, in my shoulder. I ended up having to go for physio. So it's just the expenses start adding up. One of those purchases, I got rid of the bike. Um, but one of those purchases, those things that we regret. Maybe for you, maybe it was a move. Maybe you regret a move, you know? A move to a different country, different state, different town. Maybe a move to a different job. Maybe it's when you said, hey, hey, watch this, right? <laughs> right, come on, you regret that, huh? Oh my goodness. Maybe some of you are sitting here today and you are facing some big decisions, maybe this week, maybe this next month, there are some big decisions coming up, right? Maybe you're a senior and you're graduating this year. What do you do next year? Which university do you go to? What do you major in? Do you major in this? Do you major in that? Maybe it's someone that you're dating. Mm, for most part, they're, they're pretty good, but there's some things that I'm noticing that I'm concerned about. What do you do? Do you stick around and hope for change or do you wait for the next person to come along? Maybe it's a job offer. There's some risk involved in this job. What do you do? Do you take this new job or do you stay with the job that you have? Maybe it's a new car purchase. Do you buy that new car or, you, or do you wait and try and get another six months out of this old car? Right? What do you do? At some point, every single one of us are going to need to make some important decisions and we need God's divine direction so that we don't end up in a trench that we were never meant to be in before. Amen? Yeah. All right. Now, there's been a lot of studying to this, and in today's culture, it's a much harder time committing to making decisions. Why? One of the theories around this is because more than ever before, as a culture today, as a society, we are faced with a lot more options than ever before. Go to Amazon and see what you can find. Like, it's like you just scroll forever, right? Now, recently, 
I was on an, on an international flight um, and I wanted to watch an action movie. I love action movies, so I wanted to watch the movie on the flight. Great, five movies, easy choice, right? The other night I was at home, I wanted to watch something, and you know how this goes. Go on to Hulu, then I go on to Paramount Plus, then it's Disney Plus, then it's uh, Discovery Plus. 45 minutes later, I haven't found anything to watch. I'm frustrated and I don't watch anything, right? Come on. We have way too many options. Now what happens in today's culture is that we are afraid of making an imperfect decision because of all these options available to us. And because we're afraid of making an imperfect decision, what happens is we make, we make no decision. And no decision is a much worse decision than an imperfect decision. At some point in our lives, we all are gonna need, need to make important decisions and we need God's divine direction. Now, I wanna look at, at a big question together this morning. When it comes to God's will for us, and when it comes to God's will for my life, for your life, what does God care about? When it comes to God's will for our lives, what does God care about? And if you're taking notes this morning, this would be point one. When it comes to God's will for our lives, God cares about who before do. You get that? God cares about who before do. God's more cared about who you are, who we are, than he's cared about what we're gonna do vocationally and what my job is gonna be. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 tells us this. It says, God's will for you is to be an accountant. No, the Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't even say you're to be a missionary or to be this career or do this career. It doesn't say that. What does it say? We have it up. It says, God's will for us is to be what? It's to be holy. See, God cares more about the who first than he does about the do later. God's will for us is to be holy. In fact, the Greek... A translated word for holy is hagios. And hagios means to be set apart, to be different. And we have to, we cannot look the same as the world. We cannot. We can't be driven by the same values that the world is driven by. And we cannot live for the things that this temporary world deems important. We have to get this right, church. Seriously, it is scary to see the church look more and more like the world and less and less like the kingdom. It really is. We were never called. We did not get, Jesus did not go to the cross and die so we can get his Holy Spirit so that we can be influenced by the world. We are meant to influence the world. We are meant to go and influence society. We are meant to influence culture. We are meant to take his kingdom into the world. One of the most powerful things for me, way more than someone's accolades or their achievements or their titles is this when I get to sit across the table and speak to someone, now we all would have met someone, you wouldn't, and we, there are people in this church that are like that. You literally question whether they might be an angel. You heard that? Yeah. It's like there's not a bad bone in this, in this person. Like how, how does that happen? Where do you come from? Like they are just incredible people. Here's the power. When you sit across the table from them, they start telling you their history. They start telling you who they were before they got to know Christ and Christ transforming power changed their character from who they were to the who, who they are now. It's one of the most amazing things to see. I mean, when you hear it, it's like you, you can't relate. I, I can't understand that that's what you could have been 
And that's the stuff you did, and that's what you said before. And this is who you are now. It's amazing. God cares about who more than the do. That's why I didn't call this message divine destination, because we never arrive. More, it's a moving towards. It's a moving towards Jesus. See, we're becoming like him. In fact, it's interesting to see that Jesus never spoke about people's careers. Never said, you're gonna do this as a job, you're gonna do that as a job. What did Jesus talk about? Jesus spoke more about the who than he did the do. Jesus didn't speak about vocational careers. He spoke about calling and he spoke about character. And essentially, this is this question that we ask. What does God want me to do? A better question would be, who does God want me to become? If we'll start there, that truth, the who, will eventually lead us to the right do if we are becoming who God wants us to be. You see, to Jesus, the who comes before the do. Amen? Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you a question, but I'm gonna preface this question because I know some of you might not know who we are. You might be new. Um, but just so you know that my wife and I, are we are full-time pastors in Coastal, right? And we fought that call of God in our life. Now, I'm gonna ask you a question. I'm gonna ask you to be very kind because if you aren't, I'm gonna go home very depressed. I'm gonna be miserable. I'm gonna eat all that Publix food in the side of that room there. If I'd ask you, would you say, Fred, it's probably God's will that you're a pastor? Yes. Okay. Okay, I can. That's good. It's a little bit worried there for a second. Anyway, I'm gonna argue that it's God's secondary will and purpose for my life that I'm a pastor. What's God's primary will for my life? That I am to be holy. God cares more, cares more about my character than he does about what I do as a job. See, a pastor is what I do. It's not who I am. And you can change that out for whatever fits in for you. We do what we do, but it's not who we are. We are children of the Most High. You're a child of the King, right? Now, here's the thing. God would rather me do anything else then be a pastor if I cannot be a pastor with integrity. And that goes for your position. God would rather you do anything else than do what you do and you can't do that with integrity. Really, it's so important. God would rather me do anything with a pure heart before him than do something that seems spiritual, but I live with ongoing, unconfessed sin in my life. We have to get this right. God is more concerned about who first than he is about to do later. I wanna go to a sad story that as I was preparing, I felt like God reminded me of this, this message that I heard many years back that just was so powerful. Um, you guys all good? Yes. All right, so it's a story of Moses. We all know Moses, right? So we pick up the story in Exodus 2. Moses is running from the call of God on his life. He has camouflaged himself in the desert for 40 years. And we find him in this, in this passage equipped with just a staff and sandals, a stick, right, that he picked up in the desert somewhere, and sandals. And the dialect goes on that Moses encounters God in the burning bush, and God says to Moses, I want you to go free my people. And the dialect, the story that's happening is that there's backwards and forwards between Moses and God. Moses is doubting, and he's asking questions. How would they know? How would they believe that you sent me? And we pick up the conversation in Exodus 3 from verse 1, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and, and say, the Lord did not appear to you? 
So the, then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? I was like, it's a stick. So God says to him, what? Take that stick and throw it down in the ground. What happens? The moment Moses threw that stick down in the ground, it turned into a snake. Now, there was something that I read and I tried to find, but I was like, why, why a snake? Like really, could it never have been any other animal? Why a snake? Like I don't like snakes. Um, and there was something that I read that was significant to the time. The snake represented some form of authority in Egypt with Pharaoh. So I thought, wow, that's amazing that God would make it a snake because we'll see later on the story why. But anyway, he throws it down, it becomes supernatural, turns into a snake. And then I love the next part of the passage because it says that Moses ran from it. And I was like, I got you, Moses. I would do the exact same thing. If I threw a stick down, then I think it's, I'm out of here, right? And then God says to Moses, I want you to go and pick it up by the tail. Now, Hebrew teaches us that Moses is eloquent with words, but somewhere along the line, Moses picked up a stutter, right? And I have this sneaky suspicion that at that point, when, Moses, when God said to Moses, pick that snake up by the tail, Moses like, bum, 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 bum. what did you say, God? Right? I would do the same thing. There's no way I'm picking a snake up on the tail, by the tail. I'm not a snake wrangler, but I've watched enough National Geographic videos and shows to know that that's the small end of the snake. The, the, the part that can hurt you and bite you, the big end is the head. You probably want to get it over there. Right? But anyway, he picks up the snake, and what happens? The snake goes back to being a stick or stuff. And there's something powerful I want you to see in this. When Moses relinquished, when he took his fingerprints off of what was in his hand, when he gave it to God, it could become something that it could never become while he was holding it. It became something supernatural. That's so important. There's this talk around that we have to be super sensational and super talented and super amazing and super good looking and super gifted. And I've got to fit into skinny jeans and I've got to have a James Dean hairdo and I've got to smell this way or smell that way to be used by the king a lie. God does not look for those things. He doesn't look at our outward appearance. He's looking for hearts that are available and humble to be used by him. And when I pick up the rest of the story, I think somewhere along the line, Moses asked God if Aaron can join him. So Aaron and Moses go to Pharaoh. They say to Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, why should I believe you? And at this point that Pharaoh says that, I think the scripture says that Aaron threw the staff down on the ground and it turned into a snake in front of Pharaoh. So Pharaoh yawns, calls these magicians. And let me tell you, magicians cannot do miracles. They do trickery. They do a sleight of hand. So Pharaoh's magicians come, they do trickery, they do a sleight of hand and they mock the miracle. It looks like they do the same thing. And just at this point, when Moses is about to have a panic attack, because he asked God all this stuff, but what, what, this, what if, how are they going to believe? And yeah, they do the exact same thing. And what seems supernatural is not so supernatural compared to what's, what's happening. What happens next? Moses' snakes start swallowing up all the other snakes. There's only one God, one God, and he's God alone. And he will swallow up every other lie, every other deception, all the trickery. He will swallow up because he is God alone. Amen. I love this. John, Denise's dad, Pastor John Scholes has this quote. I don't know where he got it from, but I remember hearing it so clearly and it has stuck with me. It says this, our gifting can often take us 
to places where our characters cannot sustain us. Our gifting can often take us to places where our characters cannot sustain us. The who, who we are, our characters matter more to God than what we do. It's so important and it's sad to see how ministries and leaders are failing because things are coming out because characters were never dealt with. It was always about the do, always about those kind of things. Before we think about the do in the future, let's think about the who in the present. We need God's divine direction. See, we are being conformed into his image and step by step, we're following after him and we're becoming more like him. When it comes to God's will for your life and my life, what does God care about? He cares about the who before the do. Point number two, God's will is why before what? Now, I'm not saying that God's will is only these four words that we're playing on today. There's a lot more involved, but I just wanna focus in on these, these four words. So point number two, God's will is why before what? Motives matter to the heart of God. They really do. And in Proverbs 16:2, it says this. It says, you may think everything you do is right. What does that mean? Well, we have the unbelievable ability to deceive ourselves, right? The heart is deceitful above all things. But it says there, you may think everything you do is right, but what? The Lord judges. And what does the Lord judge? He judges our motives. Motives matter to God. There's an old saying that says, there's always two reasons for everything we do. There's the reason we tell everyone, and then there's the real reason, right? And every time I pray this prayer listed in Psalms 139, and it will come up, um, it says, search me, God. Know my heart, test, my, test me and know my anxious way. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Here's the problem. It's really difficult to get to the right place when we have the wrong motives. It's almost impossible to get to the right destination when we started with the wrong why. Motives really matter to God. We need to examine our heart. Paul said it so powerfully in Colossians 3, 17. He says, and whatever you do, let's say it together, whatever you do, whatever you do, whether you're an entry-level worker, whether you run an organization, whether you're a student, whether you're a teacher in a class, when you're a stay-at-home mom, whatever it is, wherever you are, in word and deed, what are we to do? We are to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wherever you are, whatever you do, wherever you live, serve Christ there. Wherever you work, serve Christ there. Whoever your family is, serve Christ there. People often look at people who are successful and they think, oh, they, may, they must have made a couple of big decisions to arrive there. No, 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 no. Thousands of small decisions to get there. We can see someone who's faith, faithfully making a difference for the Lord and there are countless decisions to dying to self or denying oneself day after day. Who before do, why before what? If we will get these two things right, God will lead us to the right places. He'll help us get to the right places. Think about Jesus. I mean, how did he endure what he had to endure? The people he came to love hated him. They killed him. They tortured him beyond measure 
I mean, he, didn't even, he wasn't even recognized as a human. How did he do what he did? How did he do that? Because he knew who he was and he knew why he came. He was the son of God, came, came to set the captives free, came to pick us up out of those trenches, deliver us, set us free, and set us in the course that he has for us. See, the thing is, when we are faithful with the little, guess what? God will trust us with much. Man plans his purposes. We all have our grand ideas and what we're gonna do, but at the end of the day, God is the one who directs our steps. And I love that God is directing my steps because we are being conformed into his image. And so I don't have to worry about the future because he promises he will take care of the future. All I'm called to be is who I am to be today. To step forward, step by step, not to this divine destination, but in a divine direction with God. Every step we take, it's walking it out with him. I wanna leave these two final thoughts with you this morning. If you are becoming the right who, God will help you choose the right do. I'm gonna say it again. If you are becoming the right who, God will help you choose the right do. And secondly, if we are driven by the right why, God will lead us to the right what. If we get those things right, why before do, or who before do, why before what, we will see God move. So whatever you do, wherever you go, wherever you live, whatever your job, whatever your current status in life is, whatever you do, whatever you do it all for Jesus. Why before do, um, who before do, why before what? I wanna bring it back to that story of Moses because I think it's such a powerful story. We are those sticks. If we would just relinquish ourselves to the king, take our fingerprints off of ourselves and allow the king to come and do in us and through us things that we could never imagine or dream of. Here's the thing, here's the problem. When God does those things through us supernaturally, when God takes us and throws us on the stages of the world, whether that be in ministry, whether that be in your job, whatever it is, whether it be in arts or entertainment, whatever it is, if God throws us down the platforms of the world and does things through us in us that we could never imagine or dream of, can he do that and not change who we are? Do you hear that? Can God do those things in us and not change who we are? That I start taking the glory, that it becomes about me. Can we go back to just being a stick? Incredibly powerful. I wanna take a moment just for us to reflect in prayer. And are we speaking about decisions and that we need God's divine direction in our lives? And I know in life we can make good decisions and when we make good decisions, we get to experience his joy, we get to experience success and pleasure and happiness, but sometimes we can make really bad decisions. And those bad decisions can leave us in really dark places. And I just I wanna come today and bring hope to you. And if you are in one of those dark places at the moment, I know that there is a savior whose arm is strong and mighty to save. And he will pull you out of the miry clay, pull you out of the pit and put your feet on solid ground. The story does not have to end there today. It has not been, God has the final word. He has the final say. And I know we all have decisions coming up in life. And I just wanna pray this over us. And if you are 
in one of those categories today. Maybe you have regrets over decisions. Maybe you're living in a regret of a decision right now. I just want to allow the Holy Spirit just to minister to you. Just where you are, just, let's just focus on Him. And if you're watching online, just allow Him in. Just open up your heart. There is no hole that we can be in that He cannot save us out of, ever. There's nothing that He cannot do. So God, I ask today, would you conform us more and more into the image of your son? Come and do miracles in who we are. Come and do miracles in our characters, God. It's so easy to ask only what do you want us to do, God, and ignore who do you want us to become. And so I pray that we would never focus on that we thank you for the vocations we have. We thank you that we could put our hands to work and we do, we could do amazing things, but it's, it's not just that. And wherever there might be sin, unconfessed sin in our lives, I pray for your grace, God, and your courage for us to sort that out and bring that before you, God, to bring it to the cross, to accept your forgiveness and your mercy and your kindness that leads us to repentance today that we be a church that you've called us to be and, less, and look, less, look less like the world and look, look more like you've called us to be, God. I pray that we would have fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So we just say, come, Holy Spirit, come and do that work deep inside of us, God. Thank you that you are the good shepherd and that we are never alone, God. Thank you that you direct our steps. Thank you that you direct our steps. I just wanna I wanna ask if you could be courageous this morning. Because there is not one single person in this place that has not been there or is there at the moment. And we are a body. We are his body, meant to minister to each other. And if you are maybe struggling to see the light at the end of the tunnel, if you are like that sheep stuck in that hole and you feel like no one's coming to pull you out, I want to invite you where you are just to stand, just where you are. If that is you, I want to encourage you to stand because there, there is a God who believes in you, who is for you, is not against you. And there are people in this room who are for you, who believe and want the very best that God has for you. And then if that is you, I want to ask you, please don't pass this opportunity. I don't want anyone to leave today still stuck in a hole because you feel you can't take the courage to stand. So if you are, just stand. If you're standing, there are people around there that can just, just pray with them. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, you are moving. Yeah, let's just wait. People are standing. And as people are standing, if you wouldn't just, if you are around them, why don't you just start praying with them? Don't be worried about what you're gonna pray. The Bible says that the Spirit will pray on our behalf. So just encourage them, just bless them.
God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you this morning that you are seeing people. You see us just as we are, where we are. And there's people that have stood today, God, I pray that they would feel your hand pulling them up. Pray that those people would feel your encouragement, God. I pray that they would even feel your confirmation of who they are, that they are not a failure, they are not their worst decision, but they are who you say they are, more than overcomers. So I just thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that we have your Holy Spirit who would lead us and guide us and show us in the way that we need to go. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, let's do list. If, yeah. 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 Come on, come on. Let's stand, let's stand together. Come on, we're the body of Christ. And today, let's, let's speak out against this stuff, this bondage, this stuff that's keeping people in holes. Just where you stand, I want you to lift your voice. Just start praying. Come on, there's someone in your life that you know who needs this prayer right now. There's a family member, there's a loved one. Oh God, we pray that you would come. Come God and do what only you, what, come and do what only you can do, God. Come Jesus. bring those people before you today, God. We thank you for your grace. And now we pray, God, would you break the chains over those those lives, break the addictions in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, that what happened on the cross was finished, it was done, and it is powerful enough to cover everything, God. There is nothing that you have missed, God. And today we speak that freedom and that victory over those lives in Jesus' name. Be free, be free in the name of Jesus. Be free in the name of Jesus. Receive your freedom today. We thank you, God, that you're a God who's alive, that you overcame death, and you will take what the enemy is meant for evil and you will turn it for good. We declare that today over those lives. God, come and turn what is bent on evil and turn it around for good. Turn it around for good. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Jess. Jason, before we start, while we were praying, I just felt that some of us need to come to that place again like Moses and kind of let go of that stick and just let go of what we would want things to look like or what we desire and kind of give it back to the Lord and allow Him to do what He would want to do as we become more and more like Him. And so as we sing, If that's you, maybe just surrender again, just that fresh um, laying down again of that staff and to take up what the Lord has given you. Walk in the authority that He has given you, but to just surrender and see what He will do in your life.